A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. We're recognizing farms and homesteads that have been in the family for more than 100 or 150 years. I'm Charity Seebecker for the Midwest Farm Report. These families will get together at the Wisconsin State Fair in West Allis on August 9th for a celebratory breakfast. One farm being recognized is the Wedapole Farm. This Sheboygan County farm's history dates back about 110 years. Sandra Wedapole Witty tells us more about the history of the farm. Oh, this would be about 110 years ago in Sheboygan Falls in Sheboygan County. Henry and Lenora Hobbyhorse sold a 180-acre farm to their nephew, Fred Waterpole, and that would be in 1912. Now, this was quite a farm. We would have called it a great farm-to-fork operation. The place had a hatchery, a schlachthaus, which means slaughterhouse, woodlot and orchards. The main home and barn were uniquely constructed. They were all designed to maximize water usage, natural light, and the environmental aspects of the landscape. So to understand these buildings, the barn was a long rectangle. The north side of the barn faced the main farmyard and home. There was access to machine storage, milk house, horse area, hay barns, and the milking barn was into the lower level of the barn, built into the hillside so that it allowed cows to come in from the east. The entire south side of the barn was covered with windows to allow a natural light. In the milking area, cows faced each other, which is contrary to most farms that were built. Feed was run down the center aisle from the silo, and hay chutes were lined with the cows. Chopped straw was accessible to above the area where the cows laid. Well, in 1939, 18 stanchions were added, and the milking area now had room for 40 cows. The milk storage bulk tank replaced water-cooled cans in 1950s. With the milk house located eight steps above the cows, we later added a milk transfer system in 1960s to make it easier and more sanitary. Our backs and feet were so happy. Water from the cooling milk tank was recycled to an outside water tank for the cows to drink. On the main level, on the north side level to the building, was the horse entrance. A buggy was stored in one, well, later it was the farm truck. In the other bay, horses were unhitched, harnesses stored, and an aisle led to their stalls, and the cows, the horses walked right outside the building from the back side on the south. Above the north horse stalls was a chicken coop. Why was there a chicken coop above the horses? That was part of the ingenuity of the building. All those chicken coop windows faced south, providing natural light. Open windows opened in the summer, and in winter, heat from the horses warmed the chickens. Because we were a hatchery, um, we required lots of eggs, and chickens lay more eggs depending on the length of daylight. So there was an automatic timer set for lighting all the chicken coops. Well, the water pole hatchery was the center part of this business. It was equipped with James Way newest incubators starting in 1910. Eggs were kept warm and moist. Um, in 1936, we hatched 22,000 chicks and they sold for seven cents per bird. That same year, they sold 110,000 eggs at 28 cents a dozen to local businesses and an egg distributor would come pick up eggs and take them to Milwaukee. On the first floor of the hatchery was a place to sort and gather the gathered eggs. 
The rest of the first floor was for two incubating units that had a capacity of 15,000 eggs for each three-week hatching cycle. Chicks were packaged into boxes to be sold to local farmers or carried upstairs to a brooder facility. That's a heating shelving unit. And then those units, they would grow into pullets for sale or to be raised on the farm for our laying flock. The hatchery building included two garages and one housed my grandfather's Hudson 1935 Special 6 touring car. He liked fancy cars. Well, the water from the incubators and washing eggs, well, we can't waste that, so it runs into a tank at the back of the building. That water was used in the garden, or us kids would play in it with the frogs and snapping turtles. Well, Fred sold that farm to Raymond when Raymond was 33 years old back in 1927. Ray had married Mirtha Dasso in 1918. They had two sons. And the hatchery continued to be successful, and Ray helped to develop some newer breeds of chickens. Uh, next to that um, hatchery was a house. Well, the original hobby horses were people of money and means, and they built this elaborate house. Off the living room, they had built a second staircase that led to their daughter's heated bedroom with a door that was secured from the rest of the home. The main staircase was for the family and the workers. There were four bedrooms upstairs. They were filled with family members, visiting relatives. Well, the largest bedroom was for workers that stayed at the farm to help. Another worker had fallen on hard times, and Grandpa Ray gave him new shoes for Christmas. Another time, a man whose wife had passed on came to Ray. The father had a job that would take him away from the area. The daughters had found a home. But he asked if his 12-year-old son could work on the farm, sleep in the barn. Ray said the boy would sleep in the house and would do chores, but he also needed to go to school. The family practiced a spirit of compassion with dignity to help folks out as needed. Well, when that upstairs was unoccupied, Mirtha used the staircase and stored her famous candies. She made fudge, caramel, and dipped chocolates for Christmas or to sell at the local church bazaar. There was a second first floor bedroom that had a secret concealed closet, and in there was an old Civil War gun. Of the living room, there was a pantry that contained yummy treats like ho-hos for people when they came to visit Grandma. A door in the pantry led down into the root cellar. The second stairs of basement stairs led through the covered wraparound porch to the outside farmyard. Nearby was the largest of the underground cisterns that gathered water from the rooftop. When electricity was available, a pump was added for the kitchen, the small bathroom, and a washroom. Under the washroom was the second underground cistern. At the end of the woodshed area that we filled with wood each fall, all the young cousins would form a line and transfer wood for her stove into the storage area for winter. We would also fill wood bins at my family's house, which Earl had built in the adjoining orchard when he married Ardell and had three children, Wayne, Kay, and Sandra. Well, that orchard had plums pears, a white mulberry tree along with cherries and many apple varieties. While apples had been sold in the early 1920s, um, later we just gathered them to feed our hogs. Well, outside the main barn was a series of buildings that integrated together. The hatchery was next to the house. Between the hatchery and greenery was a three-foot wide access to the three-hole outhouse. Well, at Green, we had a portion dedicated to my favorite slaughterhouses. Ropes and pulleys extended up into the greenery area. Beef hung for a while before cutting. Hogs were scalded in large heated pots. There were scales, large pans, sharp saws, knives, 
spread butchered for the local farmers. The granary continued toward the farm hill and more chicken coop area extended to the east for the 2,000 laying hens that were kept on the farm. Well, Earl, aged 45, purchased the farm in 1965. As self-sufficient as the farm was for many years, the economic times caused shifts in operations. Government regulations changed and slaughtering needed to be done at licensed meat processors. Meat could be stored in freezers at locker plants, so there was no need for all the canning and smoking of all the meats. In 1950s and 60s, the price of eggs dropped due to more new efficient ways of raising birds. The family operation began to suffer and new sources of income were sought out. The milking herd was expanded, chicken coops were converted into hogs. Earl's son, Wayne, returned to the farm after college. He married his wife, Carol, in 1988. They added a pipeline, rebuilt the milk house, new machine shop and shed replaced those old chicken barns. New freestall sheds were added and a manure pit installed. Three cement silos were added near the road. Wayne purchased the 40-acre building site from his mother, Ardell, in 1998. Ardell also passed ownership of the farmland to the three children in 2002. The kids continue to manage the land. In 2000, Wayne and his wife, Carol, partnered with some neighboring farmers to build a milking parlor operation called Highland Crossings. The milking herds were combined at the new location. And in 2007, there was a fire in the machine shop. The shop was rebuilt for the larger farm equipment that was used with the bigger dairies. In 2008, a tornado came through. That big old beautiful farmhouse, well, the foundation had started to disintegrate and it was damaged beyond repair. The three additional silos that were, had been constructed on the site were damaged. One was a third gone, the top taken off the other two. The large barn was weakened, part of the machine shed was destroyed along with the neighbor barn. The cattle were unhurt, but were moved to a new location. Due to economies of scale, Highland Crossing formed a partnership with Majestic Dairy to form the now Majestic Crossing Dairy, which is a very progressive dairy in our state. Some of the buildings and the lands are rented to the dairy at this time. Owen passed on in 2019, and the farm ownership passed to his wife, Carol. Time took its toll, the house was taken down, the silos were demolished, and the concrete used in a cementing project at the dairy. The barn was recently taken down. Wayne's building improvements remain along with the new milk house, which is now Carol's shop. The home Earl had, re had was remodeled by Wayne and Carol, and that's where Carol lives. Of the original farm buildings, only the hatchery and the granary buildings remain along with memory many memories of that wonderful building site. Uh, kind of a, a story of how it was beautiful and how it goes down and how it changes to being part of the mega farm world. So we're proud of the mega farm. You know, it's awesome. Sandra Wettapol-Witty shares the story of her family farm in Sheboygan County. The Century Farm Program originated as part of Wisconsin's centennial celebration in 1948. Each year, about 100 properties are honored. You can listen to some of these stories at Midwest Farm Report. Com. These stories are brought to you courtesy of Compere Financial. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.